Welcome to the Heartbreak to Happiness Show with Sarah Davison. If you're struggling with a breakup and you feel shocked, angry, betrayed, devastated, or sad and alone, then this podcast is for you. Best-selling author and award-winning host, Sarah Davison, shares how you too can get on with your life to heal, grow, and move from heartbreak to happiness. Here's your host, Sarah Davison. Welcome back to the show. And today, my guest is Kristen. Now, Kristen has been going through a really tough time since her breakup and asked to come on and share her story with you so that I can help her, give her some advice and some coaching to help her move on. Now, obviously, this isn't a full-on coaching session as if she'd come to my clinic because we're doing a shorter version. So I can't go into as much depth as I would with her one-to-one, but I am going to answer some of her questions that she sent in to me And I think that by answering her questions, it will also resonate with so many listeners. So I hope you find this episode really useful. And I am super excited to welcome Kristen to the show. Welcome, Kristen. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, it's super brave of you to come on the show and share your story. Please tell us a little bit about why you decided to do this right now. So um, I got divorced about two and a half years ago, and my divorce wasn't a happy one. My ex-husband was having an affair with a girl that he worked and traveled with, and I had the gut instinct, but I didn't listen to it. And so it actually ended with um, me asking him to go get some help because our kids were getting older, and I thought that we should kind of work on our relationship for their sake so they could see a healthy relationship. And he basically told me it was over. And so um, I didn't have much say in that. It was just done, kaput, that was it. And so I guess as I journeyed along the divorce, a lot of things happened to me that actually he did to me that were not my fault, but I internalized everything. And I reached out to get a coach and I reached out for a good lawyer, like legal advice and um, a financial planner. And we began the process of unraveling some of the emotional abuse that I dealt with over the years. And I kind of recognized some patterns that had happened over time that sort of depleted me of all my self-confidence. And so I just don't want that to happen to other women. I've learned a lot from podcasts and from listening to good coaches. And I just want to get out and help people like understand that they're not alone and that these are things that happen to people every day. Absolutely. And thank you for that, because, you know, I think people and my listeners, especially do get a lot from hearing real life stories from people who've actually been through it. And coming out the other side, maybe with still some questions that I can help with today, but really just to, to, like you said, boost their confidence that they're not alone. And there are things that you can do to to help you through the process. So would you mind telling us a little bit about what happened to you and your story? Um, As far as the divorce and what went on? So So he said he was leaving, but he did not leave. He denied that he had anything else going on. He then got, didn't want to tell the kids. How long did you be married at this point? 
13 years. When we left New York City, we went down to Florida for his job and I gave up my career because we had three little kids. And so um, he was working and I was just being stay-at-home mom and supporting his career and doing charity work and trying to get him placed on boards. And the whole thing just, I can't say that it was perfect. You know, life isn't perfect. Relationships aren't perfect, but we were pretty good by most standards. And probably people that didn't know us really well were probably shocked when they heard the news. I was pretty shocked at the way it all kind of went down. I always thought that if we couldn't survive long-term, we'd at least wait till the kids were out of high school, which is that typical thing that most people feel, right? And Mm -hmm. But it didn't happen that way. So he he said it was over and he tried to promise me like all of these things and say how great he was that he was going to take care of the kids and give me the house. But there was no financial backing beyond that. And so basically it would have helped the kids, but it wouldn't have helped me. And so I kind of went along with it to start, but I ended up getting a very good lawyer who helped me kind of see through what was going on. And once I hired a lawyer and he and decided that I was not gonna do collaborative divorce with him, that's when he completely shut down. So he lived in the house for a year and did not talk to me in front of the kids. And so the kids would get so upset, like, why are you not being nice to mom? Why are you doing this? So it was just a lot of mental damage for everybody involved. How old were the kids at this point? So at that point, my twins were 12. And so they were just going into middle school, sixth grade. And then my youngest was then in third grade. So, you know, that's hard for kids. They don't really understand what's going on. We didn't tell them for a good three months until my coach told us that we had permission to tell them. And I actually told my ex that I was telling them whether he was going to be involved in it or not. And he waited till that last minute to jump in. So my kids were devastated. They didn't see it coming at all. They were very, very upset. So you did it together. Can you explain a little bit how that went? It was odd. We sat down to tell them and the kids automatically started to shut down and cry. My ex started to cry, but that felt kind of weird to me because he had seen me have a couple panic attacks and just stood there looking at me blankly. And so it it was just emotional on all fronts. And then the weirdest part is that usually I think when you tell your children, somebody leaves the house and you start to kind of build separate lives, but he wouldn't leave. So we were still under the same roof for that entire divorce period, but there was very little communication. That must have been extremely difficult for you, Kristen, living with somebody that was rejecting you. How did you feel during that time? Horrible. I mean, I felt the deep pain of being cheated on. I felt embarrassed. I felt, God, I haven't turned red in a while. I'm starting to turn red. I can feel it in my cheeks. I felt embarrassed, shamed, I just didn't know how I ended up this way. Um, it was it was a tough one. I, I had that fear of like, how am I going to support these kids? And how are we going to continue to live our life? Like we have a pretty nice life down here and I get it. I'm very lucky. But 
you go through it, you start to internalize all these things. Like, how am I going to get my career back? How am I going to balance all of this? And so that's kind of where I was left. I was sort of like an empty shell. So what happened then? How did you get through the divorce process? So my lawyer was terrific. Um, She set me up with all the professionals I needed. And then I went to um, get a coach and she really helped me kind of see through what was going on and what was happening to me and what had happened to me during our marriage after sharing stories with her. So this is the part that gets difficult because they don't want you to diagnose somebody. Obviously, I'm not a professional. So we'll just call it a very high conflict personality that I was dealing with. Somebody who was very selfish, somebody who was very self-centered, pretty much everything was about him. And basically, even though outwardly he would tell people how great I was inside, it was just a completely different story. And so he took a person who was self-confident and, you know, very um, self-sufficient and took me down to like basically a shell of myself. So I had to kind of get rebuilt and start to find that confidence again. And it didn't happen like right after the divorce ended. That was kind of just the beginning because like I said, he was still living there. Absolutely. And I guess this was something that happened over a long period of time. You said you were together for 13 years. So was this something with hindsight now looking back that was was a slow buildup over time? Yes. Um. I think when we had kids, it accelerated the selfishness. And there was also an issue because he was extremely close to his mom. And I think it's amazing when a guy like loves his mom, but for his mom to be his number one and not have me as his number one and like everything, it was always like your family's this, but my family's the best. Your family's that, my family's the best. And it just wears on you over time. And like, I joke around with my friends a lot that like if my kids walked for the first time, he would call his mother, even if I was in the other room, rather than call me in and be like, they just walked the first time. (laughs) So it just became like three people in the relationship. And then it turned out that there were three people in the relationship down the road. So, you know, it's just difficult to deal with. Absolutely. So you said three people in the relationship. So tell me about that and how you discovered that he was having an affair. Um, so it was an instinct thing. This girl was getting divorced. Her, He got very involved in that, was talking about it a lot. And I would bring it up like, I don't think it's normal. She just works for you. Like, I don't think this is normal. After the fact, there's things I really still can't talk about of reasons why I know that it was happening and things that I've seen and things that, you know, were done, but it was just apparent. And then as soon as he basically came to me and said that I wasn't allowed to tell anybody that, that I have to stop spreading that rumor. And it wasn't a rumor and I wasn't spreading anything, but he was still trying to like, kind of keep me under his thumb basically and keep me from talking and his, the CEO of his companies, the wife had called me and said, you know, what's going on? I just heard you guys are getting divorced. And I said, yeah, well, you know, I think he's been cheating on me with X. And the next day he got fired and that she was told to leave. So if you don't think it was happening, trust me, it was happening. Right. And it was like the big word. Wow. 
So it was just frustrating. I knew her. I've sat at black ties with her. There's a lot of other things that I just don't feel comfortable telling you, but there was a lot of work that went into it to find out what the truth was. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, to go through that and and not know the truth, but suspect, you know, and your gut instinct is telling you something and yet you're not getting that clarification back. That can be a very difficult situation to be in because it causes a lot of stress and self-doubt. Correct. And then I never got assurance. I never got the real truth from him. And so you still, even though you're a smart person and you know it's in, it's happening, you still want to believe that it's not happening because you never want to believe that it happens to you, right? And so yeah, um, one of the, it's funny, still to this day, I still can't put it all together in my head and he's living with her. They're getting married in July. He's done the same thing to my kids that he's done to me. He introduced her as a friend. I have friends from work coming over. Then it turns out, oh, she's my girlfriend. Oh, now then it was like, we're going on a family um, reunion in July. And now it's, oh, actually I'm getting married. You know, the whole thing is just. And how are you coping with that? How does that make you feel that he's getting remarried? I actually don't care at this point. I'm healed. And I've moved on and, you know, I, I want to feel bad for her because I see some similar patterns going on that happened with me. So obviously he has those patterns. However, I have no remorse and I have no desire to go help her out because she ruined a family and I will have no respect for her. It's interesting, isn't it? Because you've come through such a tough time with betrayal. And I think betrayal is one of the toughest challenges to deal with um, when you come out of a divorce. So if your partner has cheated on you and you have the double whammy of knowing that person as well, and and like you said, having sat next to her, so the deception had been ongoing for, for a while. I mean, it is a difficult thing to overcome. So how have you dealt with that then? Can you share that with our listeners? Because I know there'll be lots of people listening thinking, well, I can't see a way through this betrayal right now. So how did you do it? Are you struggling to cope with your breakup or divorce? Are you feeling devastated, heartbroken, sad and anxious? If so, please know that you are not alone and there is help available. Sarah Davison, best known as The Divorce Coach, and her team of accredited coaches are here to offer you the support and guidance you need to navigate all areas of your breakup, take back your control, and start feeling happy again. Sarah will show you how to dial down those controlling negative emotions, unhook from your ex, get back in the driving seat of your life and design a future you are excited to live. Sarah has a range of solutions to support any breakup, including free guides, one-to-one coaching, her Heartbreak to Happiness virtual retreats, live retreats, and you can even train to be a breakup and divorce coach with Sarah too. Visit www.saradavison.com today and start to feel happy again. So everybody said it would pass and I didn't believe it for a long time. It does take a lot of time and 
I think because he ended up staying with her and then was with her long term, it's finally kind of resolved itself in my mind. But I also had a lot of coaching and a lot of therapy to deal with the pain of what happened and to get me over that hurdle of being so scared to be on my own after being part of a team basically for so long. Um, I couldn't have done it without the coaching. And honestly, I used to take walks almost every day and I would listen to a different podcast every day. There's so many great resources out there and it just makes you feel like, okay, you're not alone. Okay, you will get through this. And at first it was like, so painful, but you eventually kind of like, it sounds ridiculous, but you turn your frown upside down over time. And so I never dated. I never like went out looking for any of that. I just, I just now have slowly dipped my foot back in the dating pool and I'm starting to feel good about myself again, but I wanted to make sure everybody was healed first. When you say everybody, do you mean your kids? Yeah. My children. I mean, okay. So it's been really hard for them. I have them eight, like 75, 80% of the time, but then there were lots of issues when they would leave. And so I've just been very open and honest with them over the years. And we have a great relationship and everybody knows what they have to do, whether they want to or not. And they're doing great. And how old are they now? So my twins will be 15 next week and my younger one is 12. Okay. So what would be your top tips having been through this of helping your kids adjust to that new reality of two households? Definitely need to talk to somebody. They definitely need to go talk to somebody. They could not have done this on their own. I could not have done this for them on their own. Um, They need to hear the realities of basically what's going on. And then a big thing for me that my coach taught me was to expect and accept. So I taught them like these boundaries and I also taught them like, this is how we think he's going to show up. So when he does just accept that he shows up that way and keep moving forward. And then if he shows up a different way, then you can be pleasantly surprised and try to enjoy it. So, you know, he's been a bit of a Disney dad, you know, takes them on all these fancy trips. But my kids have said to me like, mom, we appreciate that you don't do that. And you don't give us everything we want and we ask for. I'm just, I haven't like tried to pick up any extra from my kids, if that makes sense, by doing crazy things for them, just because they're, they're part of this process. I think that's a good point, because I think a lot of times when you go through a a divorce, you feel like you kind of have to overcompensate in some ways for the emotional ups and downs the kids go through. So sometimes it's easy to sort of give in and say, yes, okay, you can have that. Yes, okay, you can have that. You know, there are dads that go through tough times as well I mean obviously I don't I don't know your ex and I don't know the full story there and I know that he is um as you described high conflict so I mean that kind of separation is is a lot different to normal separations but um because when you're dealing with what I call them difficult people uh, there's a different set of rules because you're in their game and they're playing games with everyone and and it you, it's horrible I guess to think you're in a game and a lot of people say to me I don't want to be in a game but the thing is, they're going to play a game whether you like it or not. So <laughs> the challenge is you either learn the rules, step up and, and be two steps ahead, or you get used as a pawn in it. And that is where you feel out of control and it can be all consuming. So I think sort of understanding with kids that it's not about bad mouthing the other person, but sometimes explaining some of the rules of the game in a neutral way can really help them cope better with what they're going through and understand right from wrong. 
because if you don't set the boundaries of this is right and this is wrong as what is that acceptable behavior you know they need that as they grow up as their moral code so yeah. it is important there's a fine line there i think that we have to be aware of of not bad mouthing the other partner no matter what they say and do in some cases and i know that can be really really hard because children are partly you know a bit of both of you so you know they're going to think gosh is that part of me that's bad so it's about understanding. And I think sometimes these life lessons are really important for kids to learn at a young age. It doesn't have to be damaging. It, it can be good preparation for when they meet people like that as they grow up. Maybe they date them. Maybe they work for them. You know, maybe they marry into a family with some of them. You never know. But it's it's good to know, right? Yes. And I will say that it is true. People do reveal themselves to be who they are over time. My kids, as they've gotten older, see the things that used to drive me crazy that and drives them crazy and they see it. I mean, you know, they say you're not supposed to tell your kids certain things, but like there's just obvious ones. Like he set boundaries. He moved into a gated community. He won't let me in. <laughs> so I have to go through the gate every time now and be like, I'm dropping my kids off this is my name. And they'll be like, oh, he didn't call you in. So they'll make me like back up and all the other cars back up. And I, the kids get crazy about it. And I'm like, I've tried. They're like, why doesn't he let you in? I've heard that he told people I stalked him, which is not the case. That is not me at all. It's the, funny to hear the way he justifies things. So I had to set a boundary because he would show up at my house and just park in my driveway and just sit there. So now I won't let him in my driveway. And I just heard somebody else talk about that on a podcast. So it made me laugh, but it's interesting how you have to set boundaries around their boundaries just to kind of make sure that you're protected. So boundaries are so important. If you're dealing with difficult people, you do need your boundaries, but you have to be careful. Sometimes, you know, in some cases it's not safe to assert those boundaries with somebody because that can tip into dangerous territory and I've done right. quite a few podcast episodes recently with family lawyers and also Rachel uh, Williams who was a survivor of her husband attacking her um, oh. who was extremely violent during their marriage so when and this was when she especially when she tried to leave he turned up at her work with a sawn off shotgun um, so you know there are a lot of times where it's not appropriate to assert boundaries I think it's important to say that but actually protecting yourself and deciding what is okay for you. you know, if you don't want your ex to come in your house, that's okay. That's your boundary. You know, it's not, if it's not right. their house, then it's your property. You can, you can do what you like with that. So it, I think those things are very important um, and not to react, you know, to see it, like you said, as you know, you laugh when you back up, when you get there, right. because you know, you can't change it. And if you're going to get angry and upset all the time at things that you can't change, that's just going to aggravate the situation. It's almost, if you're playing the game, the mentality is, you know, what are they up to now? Uh, okay, what they're trying to achieve is me to be upset because they're making my life difficult. But actually, it's just funny because it's like, wow, really? <laughs> you're going to do that? All right, fair enough. You know, right. and if it's water off a duck's back, you know, and they know it's water off a duck's back, it's not exciting for them as much anymore. So they tend to you know, back off a little bit if they're not getting fed. So it's important to sort of detach from any positive or negative feedback, just remain neutral with them. And that's kind of where I am at this point. So luckily I've gotten through it, but you know, there'll always be that deep pain of being cheated on. Um, I, I mean, I think there'd be pain in divorce no matter what, but I just think that the lies and the deception, it's just, and it was so like, 
done under everybody's nose. And so it's just painful. Yeah. And you've been through so much. So, you know, you've done incredibly well and to help your kids through it as well. So well done for getting this far. You know, you have done a great job and please, you know, stop and smell the roses along the way because it is a big achievement. So, you know, I'm sure people listening think, gosh, you know, I can't wait to be where you're at. So do you have any specific questions, Kristen, that I can help you with today? I'm trying to figure out, so I have my kids a lot. They don't want me to date because they don't like that their dad is getting married and that they had no choice in it. And they've asked, my older daughter in particular has asked if I can wait till they leave high school. (laughs) But that's not fair to me, right? That's it for today's episode. Do join me for part two of Kristen's true story in my next episode. That's it for today's episode of Heartbreak to Happiness. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review to win a free ticket to Sarah's virtual Heartbreak to Happiness retreat. This is a transformative combination of live webinars with Sarah herself, coupled with her empowering online video program designed to help you cope better with your breakup and start feeling happy again. For more details, head on over to heartbreaktohappinesspodcast.com where you can also get a copy of Sarah's gift. Thank you and join us again on the next episode for another dose of Heartbreak to Happiness.